The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You found Destination Love with Shelley Pumphrey. This is not a program about becoming the perfect date or how to get that special someone you've been admiring to notice you. Instead, we'll bring you the science behind how to find love and show how being your true self generally works best. Now, here's your host, Shelley Pumphrey. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to have everybody here today as we go into um, another show on the love styles. Um, I'm actually really excited to do this show, but also feel a little bit nervous because this is a show where um, I'm going to be particularly open and vulnerable about some things as well as my guest because my guest happens to be one of my ex-boyfriends by the name of Jeff, and we're just going to keep him as Jeff at this point. Um, Jeff, you want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> That's all you're going to give us? Hello. Glad to have <laughs> I, you on the well, show. I, I, thanks. Glad to be here. I know that this this takes a lot of courage to do this show, but we have talked quite a lot about what happened to our relationship. Um, we broke up a couple of years ago and um, really have recognized that we had two different love styles. As you know, I've been talking about love styles here in the show. Um, right. And that was really what brought us to kind of the end or the demise of our relationship is because we had these two opposing love styles. So in talking with Jeff, as we've kind of sorted through some things, we decided that it would be really helpful for people to talk about our relationship and how these, how opposing love styles can play on each other to really wreak a lot of havoc. So we're going to talk about that here towards, uh, you know, halfway through the show. And then we're going to just start with letting Jeff talk a little bit about being um, the love paralyzer love style. So before we do that, I just want to give a brief kind of overview of the love styles. If you've been following me the last few weeks, then you're aware of what these are. But for those of you who might just be joining in for us or with us here today for the first time, I want to give you a little bit of background. So um, as you probably know, if you've listened, I'm a therapist and some of the well, a lot of the work that I've done over the years is with what we call attachment. And what attachment is, is um, essentially the bond that we form with our parents or main caregivers when we're children. And attachment is formed in those first few years of life and often um, before we even have any conscious memories of it. And it really sets the stage for our adult relationships, it affects our dating, it affects marriages, it affects how we are with friends, coworkers, our children, it affects everything. Yet most people out in the world don't know what attachment is. So I am very passionate about helping people understand what this means and how it affects relationships because I see it as something that can really cause a lot of problems if you're not aware of it. So with attachment, um, there's essentially four main attachment styles that I teach about. Um, 
if you think of it on a spectrum, like all the attachment styles kind of laid out on the spectrum, right in the middle of the spectrum is what we call the love stabilizer. And that's somebody who's generally very comfortable with commitment and intimacy. They don't really struggle with um, a lot of problems in relationships. And these are generally people who stay in long-term relationships. Um, And they typically had a childhood where the parents were very available and nurturing and met their needs pretty consistently. Um, On another end of the spectrum, we have what we call the love resistor. And this is based on something called the avoidant attachment style. And love resistors are um, people who have a really hard time with commitment and intimacy, and their brains are wired to keep them apart from people um, as soon as things get close, because what they were taught as infants is that their needs can't be met. So their parents may have been rejecting of them. Maybe the parents were unable to meet their needs because they were sick, or the parent was raised with Another, you know, in their childhood, they were taught that it's not okay to have needs, it's not okay to reach out to a caregiver, and so they're just repeating something that they've learned. Um, but these, ki- these kids grow into adults that learn that I value my independence, my freedom, I don't really need relationships, and they may even have a desire for relationships, but find that every time things get close, they have a way of pushing a partner away or finding reasons to end a relationship. So that's one end of the spectrum. All the way over on the other end of the spectrum is what we call the love connector. So the love connector is based on the anxious attachment style. Now, love connectors, and I'll admit I am a love connector, um, love connectors generally are raised in homes where the parents are inconsistent with meeting their needs. So sometimes parents are there and they're very... um, nurturing and responsive to what's going on with the baby, but then other times the parent may not be there or may not be emotionally available to the child. So the child learns a lot of anxiety around relationships. So as an adult, us love connectors go out into the world and we um, have a lot of anxiety if our partners start to distance from us in any way. And sometimes it's not even that our partner's distancing from us, it's just that we perceive that they're distancing from us. Um, so we can have a lot of, um, problems come up with relationships when we're with somebody who has an opposing love style, like for example, a love resistor who doesn't want a lot of intimacy, whereas a love connector wants a lot of intimacy. And these two styles can just drive each other crazy. Um, and Jeff and I'll talk about this here in a bit, uh, because we have very opposing needs. Right, Jeff? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to that. So the the last style that I'm going to talk about is what is Jeff's style. And this is what's called the love paralyzer. And this is based on what's called the anxious avoidant attachment style. And basically what happens with this style is that is love paralyzers and lucky you, Jeff, kind of get right. the best of both worlds or the worst <laughs> of both worlds. Um, with You get the love connector stuff and you get the love resistor stuff all in one package. So it can, ha- there's a lot of like mixed feelings if you are a love paralyzer and you'll end up giving off a lot of mixed messages to your partners. So you right. may like, you know, and I'll let you kind of go into this here a little bit more, but you know, love paralyzers often have this desire for relationships and they even go into that anxiety of wanting closeness with someone. But then once that closeness is there, they do a lot of stuff 
um, I should say their brains are wired to make them do a lot of stuff um, to push a partner away. So it becomes a really hard path to navigate, um, you know, when you're trying to find a relationship. So that's uh, kind of the, the basics of what the love styles are. And so I'm going to go in and just focus on you here, Jeff. Let's, okay. I guess what I'd like to do is just have you tell me a little bit about what it's been like for you to be a love paralyzer. Just tell us a little bit about some of the qualities or experiences that you've had that make you believe this is your love style. Okay. Well, first, you know, it took a while to, for me to figure this out. You know, first, I just didn't even understand that there were attachment styles. You know, I just didn't know there were such things. You know, but then I had gotten some feedback, you know, that maybe I was displaying some avoidant behavior in relationships and, you know, and, and, uh, and a certain relationship wasn't working out because of it. So, you know, after thinking about it and talking about it a little bit, I got the book, you know, attached and thought that was a good place to start. So I read the book. And I did the quizzes and, you know, and the results were mixed. And I was like, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. So I went back and I listened to the chapters again and I took the quizzes again. And the results kept, you know, were split between anxious and avoidant. I'm like, oh, that's crazy because the book really only sort of talked about three types. And I thought, great, you know, here I am straddling the fence. You know, then there was a brief mention that maybe a small percentage of people have this, you know, anxious avoidant area. And I'm like, great. You know, I now have two attachment styles to deal with, you know, it's just like, oh, right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, and then I thought about things and I just started really thinking about it. I said, well, you know, this kind of really does make sense, you know, and, um, you know, I think my upbringing had a lot to do with it, you know, and I mean, I, I think ultimately what it is, I have a very anxious heart, but I learned a lot of, um, defensive avoidant habits along the way to protect myself. And I kind of just go back and forth between the two. And it's like this kind of this vicious cycle, you know, and they sort of feed each other, you know, right. and I always feel like that I'm on, I'm in the opposite style, depending on either relationship or the style of my partner, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, so, you know, if, if, you know, if I'm with somebody and they seem anxious, then I will become avoidant or if I'm, you know, getting to know somebody and they seem, um, you know, but whatever, the opposite of what I just said. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. I, I just always, you know, switch. Um, you know, and, and another thing, too, is like what you said, or I'll be in a relationship and it'll be great. And then when things start to get, um, you know, personal and, and close mm-hmm. and intimate, then I will freeze or I'll change. I'll change the way that I'm being. And so, you know, it's I'm just back and forth. One style feeds the other. Um, right. And, yeah, and I, you know, and. and so it's kind of maddening, and you know, I'm just kind of learning about this and doing all the work, trying mm-hmm. to do the work, you know, and trying to understand what it's like just to be avoided, and then realizing, well, holy you know, smokes, I'm I'm anxious too, and now trying to balance the two. So right, yeah, it's been really hard, and I get it. You know, I I like that you've identified how you've gone back and forth with, um, you know, anxious or avoidant, because I know, you know, with me, um, because I am a love connector and anxious. I really brought out the avoidant side in you. And initially, that's why I thought that you were a love resistor. When when Jeff and I had first broke up and I was telling him about this stuff, I I had told him that, you know, I thought that's what was going on. But that's because I really only saw one side of him. Well, that's not necessarily true. I, I did. The part that kept me with you for a long time is because you did really want a relationship and a commitment, you know, like verbally, that's, and a lot of things that we did, like that was what we were trying to create. But emotionally, 
the avoidance stuff was there. So in retrospect, it's easy to see that this love paralyzer style is exactly what you have. But in the midst of it all, you know, you definitely were in that kind of avoidant behavior. So thank you for sharing that and for your insight. So I'm yeah. one one of the things that I want to know a little bit about. I think this is really helpful for people to know. Is um, you know, if in the beginning of the show, I talked about um, how love styles are formed or how our attachment style is formed in those first few years. So um, often with a love paralyzer, what happens is kids are getting. Um, a rejecting message from their parents or caregivers. And it can be because, like I said, the parent is purposefully rejecting or neglecting a child, or it could be the parent is in their own state of stress or trauma. So it could be a parent is really sick or um, maybe they're in an abusive relationship and they're living in fear all the time. Like there could be a lot of different reasons why a parent may not be able to effectively meet a child's needs. So that being said, um, can you share with us a little bit about your childhood and how this might have, how it might have contributed to your love style? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, um, what what happened is my mom died um, before I was two, um, and I really I have no memory of my mother. Um, yeah. I was born in February, and then within months she was diagnosed with leukemia, and then um, and then she had died by the following November. And so you know. I, I, you know, so I, I can imagine, you know, not having her around, she was, you know, away getting chemotherapy and cause you know, back then she had to travel all the way to Baltimore to go get, you know, special mm-hmm. therapy. Um, and you know, so I can imagine my dad not being around or the state he was in, you know, I just remember just being like always in different environments, you know, just I'm bounced around between sort of babysitters, you know, during the, the week, my dad, you know, in evenings. And then I would go off to my, my mom's parents, my grandparents every week. You know, and each environment was really different, you know, and I kind of just received different types of attention, um, you know, and, you know, was able to express attention. You know, my, my grandparents were amazing. I mean, they gave me wonderful, amazing love, nurturing, and care, you know. So every weekend mm-hmm. I, I was just showered with this, you know, this love and attention just, you know, and, and couldn't have been happier on the weekends. You know, and, you know, during the week, my dad wasn't a bad man. He just, you know, I think he was going through a lot of stuff. I don't, in the seventies, men didn't really get counseling. I don't think he was really equipped with a, a strong toolbox anyway. Just, he grew up Mennonite and there just wasn't a lot of emotion, you know, uh, right. emotional availability in his family anyway. And then I was literally just bounced around between, you know, neighborhood friends or babysitters constantly, different ones all the time who were sort of taking care of me, like, you know, while my dad was at work or, or whatever was going on. So I just kind of, remember just always having to shift around, um, mm-hmm. moving around a lot and, you know, not conscious of this at the time, but thinking about it now, you know, I'm sure I just had, I learned different styles and ways of being and acting, you know, yeah. my babysitters were always great, good people, but they were just doing their job. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So that, you know, it, it yeah. was just, I can see how I, now I can see how that contributed to, you know, being anxious and then being avoidant and just this back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is such a great example of how this style can can be formed. So, you know, we could assume that 
your mom wanted to be a mom and, and, you know, take care of you. But, you know, I always, like, I think I asked you this when we were talking before the show, like, what it feels like to be a parent and be sick. Like, even if you're just sick with a cold, like, I don't want to get up off the couch and take care of my kids Mm -hmm. when I'm sick. And I can't really effectively meet their needs. But, you know, thinking of a parent who's going through chemotherapy with a young, you know, an infant and infant to toddler age child, I can't imagine how she could have been meeting your needs effectively. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I never, I always want to tell people like this, sometimes people do have crappy parents who they know they've been abused throughout their lives and they can certainly have anger towards them. But sometimes, um, this isn't always about parent blaming. It's sometimes it's just a matter of circumstances that people have something going on in their lives um, that, you know, makes a parent unable to be the best parent that they could be to their child. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, I appreciate you sharing this because it, I know that's a very, I mean, it just breaks my heart when I think about that, um, you know, losing your mom at an age where you can't even have a memory of her and how that has, I mean, had this huge ripple effect on your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it helps me make sense of it to know that, you know, it's not just me. It's not my fault. It's like, you know, the, the, the conditioning and, and the environment that I was raised in contributed to it. And it helps me understand and digest it and say, okay, well, I can work through this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you notice, like, um, patterns with you as a parent that, um, you know, like kind of pushing, I don't want to say pushing your kids, encouraging independence with your kids a lot or kind of, yeah, you know, not liking their feelings or emotions being expressed. You know, it's actually the opposite. What I realize, I think I'm an an amazing parent. I really do. I really try hard. I love my children dearly. And I just think, you know, sort of growing up the way I did, very independent. You know, I was pretty much financially independent since 15. I'm just always on my own. I didn't get a lot of love, attention, or nurturing. And so I just feel like I just I shower my kids with it. Um, but at the same time, knowing, you know, there are good things about growing up independent like I did. You know, being self-sufficient, I'm a completely self-made guy. There's a lot of great things that come with being that way. So I'm yeah. what I try to do is strike a really nice balance. And I just really want to nurture the hell out of my kids, you know, and just let them know I love them. And so I feel that, I compensate for what I didn't get by giving my kids lots of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, teaching them to be, you know, to stand alone, to say, no, pick up your bike, figure it out. I don't know. You know, and and I just try to find that balance. So I I think, oddly, it makes me a great parent. That's the the, the silver lining to all this is that, you know, I will raise two amazing daughters, you know, based on, I guess, the lessons and the trials that I went through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, and I think you have awareness, and yes, I I know you're a good dad, and, um, you know, I, I think part of my question was just to kind of pull together, like, how that love style can affect our parenting, and I think you just had a great answer. Um, so, we're actually going to stop here and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and when we come back, we'll talk more about our relationship and a little bit more about the patterns that Jeff's had. Um, so if you're listening to the program and you're near your computer or phone, you can look above uh, my band, my photo and there's a link to take a love style quiz. And that way you can check out and find out what your love style is. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. <music> ¶¶ 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Hey guys, it's Shelly. Welcome back. Um, we are here talking to Jeff, one of my ex-boyfriends and a love paralyzer. And uh, we are going to just continue on with some questions here. So Jeff, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is um, any kind of patterns that you've noticed in the type of uh, partners that you have dated in the past. Are you, are you seeing any um, patterns that now that you're learning about love styles that seem to fit with any of this? Um, let's see, you know, you know, earlier on, some of the earlier shows, somebody was talking about being a shapeshifter, you know, as an avoidant yes. in a relationship. And I, I realized that I'm like a bad shapeshifter or a bad chameleon. You know, I would always kind of be in the wrong style or the wrong way, you know, along the way. So, um, you know, um, sometimes I'd be more in the avoidant camp, you know, um, and my, but my heart would hurt, you know, and then I'd feel empty inside. And so then I'd become anxious and then I'd end up chasing that in my next relationship and find that wouldn't work. And then I would go back to wanting to be avoidant for like the next, say, two relationships. So it really was, I really was definitely more in the avoidant camp, you know, uh, as a way to do it. But then that would just hurt and feel empty. And then I would, I think that the pendulum would swing, you know what I mean? And I would go back. So I think I definitely attract more love connectors or anxious types. And I just feel mostly because I think they've got more love to give, you know, and that's ultimately what I mm-hmm. want. But like we talked about, you know, when things proceed, we get close and I start freezing up and I start, you know, employing deactivating strategies and start kind of self sort of sabotaging the relationship, you know. Right. Right. And and Jeff just mentioned something called deactivating strategies. And um, I'm going to talk about those in just a few minutes. Um, so I'll remember to go back to that. What I wanted to ask you is like you say that you're dating a lot of more anxious partners. So what does that typically look like? How do you, now that you know this stuff, what do these love connectors or anxious partners do that makes you think that that's their love style? Um, You know, a lot of it is, um, 
you know, I guess there's the, the, the classic stuff of, you know, are you, you know, are, are you being dramatic, you know, um, and just general anxiousness. But, you know, a lot of it, what I, I always, it was a lot of misinterpreting something that I said. And I was like, well, I didn't mean that, you know, and always taking something I said, assigning meaning to it, and then blowing it out of proportion and really running with it, you know, and that was just always something I felt like I kept constantly. I was just always to myself saying, I didn't mean that. I didn't yeah. say it that way. You know, and I always felt like I was on the receiving end of being, um, uh, you know, I guess, you know, in a fight or in trouble for something that I had said that I said, no, you know, that I, that I thought once I clearly explained that I didn't mean it that way, that it should go away and just not understanding that that's not how it really it works, you know, with an anxious person, you know what I mean? And, you know, so, you know, acting out, being dramatic, like smart ass comments, like I just never respond well, you know, what I noticed about anxious is they might be a little more sort of passive aggressive about how they want to bring things up or mm-hmm. they might, you know, set a trap to step in and then go and then sort of, you know, um, kind of, the, you know, then step into it. You know, I would always say you're being overly emotional about everything, you know, and, you know, things like that. Um, okay. Awesome. You're totally describing what you're describing are definitely characteristics of love connectors and you're describing it from the viewpoint of, a love resistor. I, even though I know you're yeah. a love paralyzer, you have that quality. So um, right. you just hit the nail on the head. That was great. Um, one of, let me think about what I want to say here. Um, let me, let me, let me skip ahead here and talk about something called deactivating strategies. Um, and I'm actually, I'm going to talk about two different things. I'm going to talk about protest behavior and deactivating strategies. Cause you just described both. Um, okay. If anyone listened to last week's show, we had a love connector on and we were talking about what that kind of behavior looks like. So, with a love connector, what happens is when when they're in a relationship with somebody who's pulling away, and this could be because they're with a, a love resistor or a love paralyzer, or it could just be any old partner that they're connected to, if they start to sense that their partner's pulling away in some way, they can start what we call protest behavior. And protest behavior is basically... The love connector's brain who that's saying, whoa, this attachment figure is pulling away. We need to get them back in. And what I didn't say in the beginning of this show, but I've said in other shows, is our attachment is there to help us stay connected with people. And really, it's, a, it's completely instinctual and biological. It is not something we choose consciously. It's something that happens in our brain very reactively and impulsively. Um, and it's meant to keep us alive as humans, as a species. So I really want people to understand that. So when love connectors sense that this person is pulling away, that instinctual part of their brain comes online and says, whoa, we got to get we got to get working to get this person back in. So protest behavior can look like those things that you just mentioned, Jeff. It's like mm. um, doing dramatic things, being kind of passive aggressive. Um People can try to make a partner jealous. They can text a million times, like, where are you? Um, You know, that kind of stuff. And um, really what's going on is even though they're they're trying all these things to get you to pay attention to them and come back, what what happens is um, they end up pretending like they're going to pull away. So they might, um, you know, say, I'm going to leave. Fine. I'm mad at you. And get up to leave and secretly inside as a love connector, like we want you to come and chase us. 
you know, like I'll share one, you know, brief tidbit of it, of a fight that you and I had had. Um, and actually this happened many times with us, but you know, we'd have an argument and I'd be like totally upset crying. And I would be doing some of that protest behavior where I'm mad at Jeff and what I really wanted and needed was for him to come and hold me and comfort me and say, let's just make up. This is okay. And he would leave my house or, you know, like didn't want to have anything to do with me. Um, so he, that was his way as that avoidance side of him would come on board and say, whoa, this is too much. I can't handle this much intense emotion. I'm going to pull away. Right. You know, so it, now I know is, you know, I would hear, you would say, you know, in that moment, you'd be like, you know, essentially, like you said, saying, like, leave me alone, go away, you know, right. and so I would take that at face value. I said, well, okay, right. fine, you, you told me to go away, so all right, good. I was like, thank you for giving me the excuse <laughs> to hightail, because I was going to do it anyway, Right. you know, and, I, and now, now I, you know, now I know better, but I didn't then, you know. Yeah, and this, that's a great example of how this stuff can be so damaging to a relationship because to me like that was the most painful thing was for you to leave when I was in that state and for you you're like shit where's the door I can't get out of here fast enough you know like I mean now I can say it it, with some laughter and humor behind it but really it was just both of our brains in that instinctual reactive survival mode saying let's you know we got to do what we got to do to survive as a species your brain right. said, you know, get out of here. My brain said, connect. You know, but and, do and then it I in thought I did the right thing, too. You know, right. I was like, well, good. You know, and not, not necessarily these words, but I was like, that, that'll teach her a lesson. That'll show her not to be like that to me, you know, because mm-hmm. good, you know, because I'll leave when she does that. And so hopefully yeah. she'll learn not to do that next time. You know, that's what was, you know, I would be justifying it as I was driving away that I had made the right decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for sharing that because I think, um, <laughs> again, well, I mean, it's this, but yeah, not thank you for doing it at the time, but no, I get it. No, I get um, it. But you're sharing like how, what goes on in, in that avoidant space, you know, like that's yeah. exactly um, what happens to people. So I am really glad that you can say that. And, you know, and just like I said, for me, like I was just devastated. And then what would happen after that is. I would go into texting you because then I'd go back. I'm still in protest behavior and I'd be like texting, Mm -hmm. texting, texting, all these long text messages, like trying to um, bring you back in and you just wouldn't even respond, you know, like maybe till the next day or I mean, I think I remember once there was like a couple of days that went by and it, you know, so it was like we were in full on protest behavior and deactivating strategies many times in our relationship. Back to you, you know, that's my way to, you know, to get back at you. You know what I mean? Totally, Would be just to make yeah. you wait. And you know, and again, I see that now, but at the time, that that's what felt like my way to fix it. Like you know, just like yeah. you want to teach me, I wanted to teach you and say, well, you know, and, right. and so yeah, yeah. So okay. So let me. So I kind of talked about what that protest behavior is, and now what the deactivating strategies are for love resistors or a love paralyzer in that state. Um, so just as a, so the love connector has all these ways to keep connected to a partner. 
um, which actually, let me back up a minute. So love connectors use what's called activating strategies. And those are strategies that we use to keep a partner close. So we can do things like put a partner on a pedestal when maybe they don't deserve to be on a pedestal. Um, We can say things to ourselves like, I'll never find anybody else. This is the best I can get. I'm not good enough. No one will love me. Um, We'll make excuses for their behavior. And basically, you kind of go into a state of denial about some really crappy behavior that you might be seeing in a partner. And the reason Uh for that is because a love connector's brain is ultimately wired to stay connected to anybody that they're with. So that's kind of how, like a lot of people I work with are love connectors and they stay in these really horrible relationships for a long time because their brains are so um, turned on to staying in a relationship despite how bad it may be. So that's what the love connectors use now in the and so Jeff, you you know, when you've been in that state, when your love connector side comes out with an avoidant partner, you've probably had some of those. Yeah. Yeah. And then the deactivating strategies is what love resistors use. So again, the love resistors brain is wired to stay at a distance from a partner. So their brain is going to play these tricks on them to make them not like a partner so much. So they're going to do things like, um, uh, sometimes they get focused in on like really superficial things and a partner like, Oh, I can't stand the way she chews her food or (laughs) she's three inches too short. So I can't, I hate those shoes that he always wears. Like it's little things like that, that your brain will like focus in on like crazy and make you not want to be with a partner. Um, some other things are, um, always thinking about quote unquote, the one, um, and comparing every partner you're with to this fantasy that you have of the one. Um, Mm -hmm. And because you've never met the one, like it's this ideal version in your head that no partner that you're ever with will ever meet that standard. And, um, you know, it's not really about whether or not there is a one out there. It's just your brain's way of of keeping you from forming a relationship with anybody because you have Mm -hmm. in your mind that this person's out there waiting for you. And the reverse of that would be fantasizing about an ex that you've had, even if it was somebody that you didn't even really like that much, but you can focus on this person and put them on a pedestal and compare every other partner to that person as well. And that's another distancing strategy that um, people can use. And then a couple of other things that happen with the love resistors too is the um, they you don't really have an ability to pick up on the emotional cues of people yeah um, as mm-hmm. well as say a love connector like love connectors are very tuned into emotional cues and very high, highly sensitive and then on the love resistor side they're not very sensitive and love paralyzers in general have a, kind of struggle with some of that sensitivity as well um, yeah. and then the other one that I wanted to talk about is just that kind of love and desire for being independent and um, kind of what happens is you confuse self-reliance and independence. So it's Uh okay to like the love resistor wants to be independent and out of a relationship. Whereas you could actually be self-reliant and do all these things on your own, but still be connected in with a partner and not be independent, if that makes sense. So those are some of the ways that, that, um, you guys can, or you know, when you're in that state, that you can um, distance yourself from a partner. So, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm having some noise in the background here. So I, um, 
that being said, um, let's, it, are, are those things kind of, it sounds like some of those things are, are things that you've experienced. Is there anything in particular that yeah. you wanted to talk about there? You know, all that stuff makes sense. And like I said, I had to do a lot of work. So I spent all this time doing, you know, reading the book and doing the work on what are these anxious tendencies and traits and habits? And then what are these avoidance tendencies and traits and habits? So I just, you know, I didn't really focus on, you know, like that I thought I was avoidant until I did all the work, you know. And so I was looking for areas that sort of straddled the fence, you know what I mean? And, and two mm-hmm. things that came to my mind was, is, you know, knowing that I have an anxious heart and knowing how it feels to kind of want and long for somebody. And, and you know, so, but my defense mechanism would be that's weak. And so when I would see that behavior in you or anyone else, and you know, it would almost, I would almost judge it more harshly, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, but it, but it just had to do with what I was feeling inside, you know what I mean? Cause I was, you know, I, I didn't like, you know, I like, you know, feeling anxious, you know what I mean? That was like a weakness, you know, that was what I had sort of yeah. learned in being self-reliant. So I think I would judge those moments you know, worse. And it's ironic that I should be sensitive to emotional cues, but I was some, I just, I don't know. It's like, I just, you know, there's like a wall. I, I think one thing mm-hmm. you learn as being this way is you learn to compartmentalize. I can yes. take a situation, I can throw walls around it and I can say, well, that was that. And now that's over and I'm going to push it over there. And now I'm over here. And, and there's just no like tailing or trailing from that instance. Cause I said, oops, and I compartmentalize, I shut it and I push it over to the side. So, you know, that was one thing. Um, another thing that too, when you, when you look at like actions, one of the things that maybe an avoidant does is like withdraw physically and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, push away. And I think what I did was, is I actually would use being extra physical as a way, because that, that's a way I could show and express emotion and care, but not have to say it. Right. So, you know, so I think, and that would be a way that I would use to, to, uh, make up or to stay connected is just trying to be more physical and less verbal mm-hmm. and, you know, and, 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 you know, I, so pulling away physically, you know, is not necessarily in my, uh, you know, my um, wasn't part of, you know, my my deactivation strategy because that was right. something I used, I think, to, to connect. In fact, because it yeah. was the safest way to be, get close. You know what I mean? Well, and that was probably the love connector side of you. Love connectors yeah. do like to use a lot of physical intimacy to connect. So that was right. probably a safer way for you to pull in, like you're saying. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing that I just remembered too, um, because I've had a history. As a so, let me just say, love connectors and love resistors like are are like magnets for each other, and this is why Jeff can say I've dated a lot of love connectors or anxious people, and I can say I've dated a lot of love resistors or paralyzers mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I I've um, found that love resistors, and again, this is going to kind of so playing into your love resistor side, love resistors usually do not like to be touched. And I and love connectors are often very touchy. So they're as you're saying, right. like this is this part of you that liked you know physical intimacy or sex to to really connect with somebody. But I also remember when I was with you, like I just like to touch, you know, like whether it's just like rubbing your arm or your back or something like constantly, yeah. almost annoying, like that was annoying to you. You know, it, you know, it, it wasn't though. It wasn't was. You know, I, you know, I like I missed that. You know what I mean? Like that was actually something. You know, because of but it, of it would get to pants. be too much. It, like at yeah. some point, it was almost like it, it was overstimulating to you. Like, you know, like you'd say stop. You know, like you tell me to stop rubbing your arm or something. You know, like <laughs> um, yeah, it, may, it may have just tickled. And you know, and uh, yeah, I also think I mean, that's part though. that's. That's part of the yin and yang of this thing that I swing back and forth, you know, sometimes yeah. within 
you know, the relationship when I go back between the two, because there's definitely times when I, you know, that's like, that's something I remember fondly as well as being annoyed, as strange as that is, you know what I mean? Like right. actions can have both, uh, can, uh, things can affect me both ways sometimes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, because I, I know there were times when you did want to be touched, but I know, and, and I've had this much stronger with other lover sisters that I've dated where they're just like, stop touching me. And that, you know, and it's always hard for me because I'm like, it's almost automatic for me. That's my, my way of connecting too. So um, it's interesting to hear you, you know, you go both, you've gone both ways with that. And I definitely recognize that, um, you know, and what we went through. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information here. Um, When we're going to break here for a commercial, when we come back, Jeff and I are going to talk through um, a few more of our interactions to give people a flavor for, um, Um, what, you know, more about what this is like to have two opposing love styles together. So um, again, if you want to take the love style quiz, it's there on the Voice America page uh, for my show. And if you want to check out more, you can find me on Facebook at Authentic Date or follow me at ShellyPumphrey.com on my website. Thank you. And we'll be back in a few. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us back here uh, with Destination Love. I am Shelly Pumphrey, and I am interviewing Jeff, one of my ex-boyfriends here today, for our very um, interesting interview here about the love paralyzer style. So, um, Jeff, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and I know you've already given a little bit of information on this, but I want to know what it was like to date somebody like me. And trust me, you can be honest. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, you know, let's see. You know, the uh, 
some of the challenges, I guess, were kind of mind reading. And I sort of addressed this at first, but just like, in, you know, incorrectly interpreting what I was thinking and maybe assigning the worst possible meaning to it. And, you know, and again, I was like, I didn't mean that. I didn't say it that way. Um, you know, and then expecting me to be a mind reader in return, you know, saying, you know, and I, and I wasn't doing that. I was kind of like, if you tell me you want me to leave, then I'm going to leave. You know what I mean? You know, saying one thing to me, but really wanting the obvious. I just wasn't picking up on that. So the right. kind of the, the, the both sided, the mind reading thing both ways was, was a challenge. And I think, you know, uh, you know, the, the, some of the passive aggressive nature of kind of setting traps, you know, for me to step into something to then bring up an issue, kind of picking a fight. And then mm-hmm. what would happen is it seemed like there would then sometimes be a quick escalation of the anger. And I was like, what's going on? Oh, my gosh, you know, like this is happening. And then, you know, sort of acting out um, or protest behavior, you know, and then being on the mm-hmm. receiving end of protest behavior, which I just didn't respond well to at all. That was mm-hmm. the one thing for, you know, at being more in the resistor side. When that happened, I was like shut down. I was like, okay, that's it. You know what I mean? Forget it. You know what I mean? And that was just, that shut me down. Um, you know, sometimes trying to make me jealous, just doing little things, um, you know, like that. And just small, like passive aggressive punishments, like acting busy or, you know, unapproachable. You know, and, you know, one of the things, and this is on me, but I was always wary of you being a therapist and I'm just a regular dude. I was like, is she using, you know, therapist Jedi mind tricks on me? <laughs> you know, and I was just, you know, I was like, wait a minute, let's just talk. You know, I, the, the funny thing I would always say was uh, just because I disagree with you does not mean I'm invalidating your feelings, you know, and, um, um, you know, and, and, and so I had to just, you know, that was always something that was in the back of my mind, you know, um, so that's, sure. that's a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you shared that. So, what in all? Well, all of those things are very, um, like, I mean, again, it's those avoidant kinds of qualities. Like the way that you're describing it is in this. And uh-huh. I don't, Jeff, just hear me. Like, I don't want to invalidate your experience of it. But what I want to show for you know to help people understand how this works between two love styles, I want to point yeah. out how some of the things that you're saying are actually just being filtered through that lens of being in that avoidant state. So one of the things, um, you know, like definitely the protest behavior, I think we've covered that very well. Like, absolutely, you're going to feel that way. Like, how annoying can this woman be? Like, she's, you know, saying one thing and doing another. And like, the more that that became annoying to you, the more you pulled away, which escalated my protest behavior even more. Um, And then one of the things, so just sharing kind of from my experience as a love connector with you, one of the things that I often felt was that when I had feelings or we had some kind of conflict, you, it was almost like you'd address them like in a court of law, like as facts and leave the feeling part out, you know, so it would be like, okay, here's the issue, cut and done. And you know, we're (laughs) over, we're not going to deal with it. Don't be a baby, you know, like you definitely did not want to address my feelings about things. And the less that I could address my feelings, the more frustrated I would become. So what happened, like an interaction like that is something that often comes up with love paralyzers and love resistors in that their brains are, it's almost like the brain gets overstimulated when there's too much emotion and Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with those emotional cues that a partner is giving off. So 
for me, I mean, just in general, I'm a, I'm a very emotionally expressive person and I do try to talk about emotion a lot um, because that's really healthy and, and important as, you know, for me in my perspective. Um, but that it was sometimes overwhelming to you because your brain is like, right. no, I don't know how to do that. And the reason right. that happens for love resistors and love paralyzers is because as infants, when, let's say, you know, we're crying and our mom comes and holds us and soothes us in that moment when a mother or, or any caregiver is soothing the child, it teaches our brains how to regulate our emotions. Mm-hmm. And there's something that we call, I don't want to get too far into this, but there's something called mirror neur- neurons in our brains. And what happens is what's going on with the parent is something that we pick up on internally in our brains and our nervous system. And we learn because our parent is sitting there, you know, calm and soothing us. We learn how to soothe ourselves through that parallel interaction with a parent. So because you didn't get that interaction with your mom um, or enough of it, mm-hmm. it's hard for you right. to know how to do that with a partner. So when I was in that state and needed you to come and soothe me as my partner, you were like, I got to get out of here. This, this chick right. is nuts, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So I just want to kind of share why that would happen. Um, yeah. And the other thing uh, to th- that I wanted to address is like, you know, even just seeing that I was setting traps for you or, um, you know, like it's almost like love paralyzers, love resistors see things as um, you can't trust other people. So Mm -hmm. you had this belief that I was being passive aggressive or I was, um, you know, trying to, like you said, set a trap to get you to talk about something. Whereas sometimes if I was in protest behavior, I might have been doing that, but sometimes I may not have been. And it was just that because you perceive things that way, because your brain's wired that way, it came out that way for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and, and again, and not to just point the whole finger at you. Like I also want to say yes, as a love connector, um, you know, as in protest behavior, especially at that time, I was not aware of how this stuff was affecting me. Um, You know, like, I could do things like that too because I'm trying to manipulate you to come back to me um, because my brain is wired to do that. So those are, um, you know, kind of from my side, I know we're going to run out of time here soon. So I wanted to maybe move along to, why don't we just talk about maybe one other incident? I know we talked earlier about like me crying and you leaving. Um, One of the things that I wanted to bring up was, an example of all the wives in your life. And um, we were, we were talking about this the other day and Jeff didn't even realize that I was bothered by it. Um, And he thought it was just kind of funny. And on the surface, it is funny, but attachment wise, it really says a lot. So basically Jeff had a girlfriend that he was with for what, like five years or something before you were married. And so yes, he always called her the first wife, right? Yeah, because we moved to Colorado together. So, yeah, so, you know, we kind of took that leap. Yeah, and so, yeah, right. that was my first wife. Yeah. And then you were married, so Finger you quotes. had your, your legal wife, and then, you know, they wife. were divorced. Yeah. <laughs> divorced, and then, um, and then he also had a woman that he worked, his uh, partner at his um, business, and he called her his work wife, which I've had work wives, too, with some of my coworkers. Um, 
But what bothered me as a love connector, I, and I, and also I guess maybe as a therapist, I pay a lot of attention to the language that people use. Um, right. Were all these wives that you kept some kind of connection, and it just felt like wife is an intimate word, and um, it felt like having all these wives, whether they were current or not, um, was a way to distance from me. And I think that avoidant people often use a lot of language that shows distance in relationships. And so that was kind of an example. And what happened um, that I think was an example of some protest behavior on my part and Jeff's avoidant behavior was Jeff was going, had been going through a personal growth um, workshop and they said, you know, bring your significant other or, you know, somebody, you know, on the last night of it to talk about the progress that you've made. And Jeff chose to take his two wives, which was his ex-wife and his work wife and not me. And I'm a person who like eats, drinks and breathes personal growth stuff. And I was very hurt that you did not take me and I couldn't understand Uh why you would choose them over me. Um, But instead of expressing that to you, I pretended, you know, I went into protest behavior and I think I just acted like disinterested and I was kind of upset the night you called me to tell me about it. Um, right. So I kind of withdrew emotionally. Um, yeah. And, and so I being from surprised because pers- I knew you were into that stuff. I'm like, why don't you care about this? You know, like, right. why, why don't you want to talk about this? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. And what, from your side, what did you feel like, um, you know, in doing that, like, tell me a little bit about your perspective on that whole thing. You know, and um, you know, you know, in retrospect, I can see that now. I, and now I see, you know, how that language wasn't, you know, was hurtful. And you know, and uh, you know, and we, where I was coming from at the time, and you know, and it sort of as a compliment to you, I felt like you are down the path a little more than these other two. And I thought, well, they could really use this personal growth a lot more than you. That's where my head was. That you know, I mean, that was mm-hmm. the rationale for doing it. You know what I mean? Is I just was like, well, you don't need this. You know what I mean? But I didn't see, you know, and, and, and understand that, you know, you are into that stuff and it would have been valuable to you. And, yeah, and I think it was just a sub, maybe just a subconscious way to, you know, kind of keep just a touch distance, you know, because getting this personal growth stuff is where you get inside and it gets emotional. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, and yeah, so maybe that's why I didn't invite you. And then I thought, well, hey, you know, I think this would really benefit my ex-wife, which it did tremendously, you know, and then yeah, I thought this would yeah. benefit my business partner as well. And I thought, you know, I, hey, you know, well, I can get these two folks, you know, kind of the help that they need more. But, you know, in my heart of hearts, I, it was, really came from a place that I just didn't think that you needed it. But I can totally see your perspective now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I appreciate you saying that. I think, what I want to say here, because we're, we're getting to the end of the show, is ju- our relationship was very um, transformative for me because it was, having worked with attachment much of my career, I wasn't connecting the dots between that and what was going on in my adult relationships. And once I figured it out in this relationship with you, it it really helped me transform the way I am in relationship with people and the type of people I date. And I don't get hijacked by my protest behavior anymore. Um, What about you, Jeff? How, since you've been learning this, what's changed for you? You know, um, I mean, and honestly, crazy enough, likewise, this relationship was the same for me. You know, like it took me a while to figure it out, you know, for, you know, it took me about a year to start, you know, getting that. And so that's, this is the relationship where I said, well, I got to look at things. 
know, and, and you being kind enough that we sort of still talk here and there. And, you know, you, we were able to talk about things and you kind of nudged me and pointed me in the right direction. So that, that helped out. But, you know, one of the things that I just said is I just got to own my own shit, you know, and like, and I, you know, read the book and I just started doing the work and the quizzes. And the biggest thing for me was I just had to let go of ego. And right. I think that's the biggest thing that drives the resistor and the paralyzer. You know, being this weird thing that I am, I think, you know, maybe I might be like one third anxious and that's really where my heart is and that's who I am. But I learned a lot of, and I put on the suit of armor that is avoidant, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I display a lot more avoidant tendencies, even though like I ache inside, you know what I mean? But, and that's what feeds the beast, you know, but so, you know, letting go of ego is the biggest thing for, and then I just said, you know what, as, as a guy who, as a person who acts as an avoidant, you know, whether you're resist or paralyzed, it's just understand the ramifications of your actions to an anxious partner. I mean, yeah. I had no idea, no idea how hurtful my actions and words were to you and others. You know what I mean? And then once I started doing the work and I said, remember, well, gosh, I remember when I felt like that when I was an anxious, oh, that felt terrible. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, you know, how bad that felt. And, you know, my answer was like, kind of just like, just deal with it. Yeah. You know, and so I, I apologize yeah. for that. And, and I well, would just say for, for folks, it's, you know, it's just, you know, I think, yeah, you know, I got counseling, I let go of ego and I just kind of took a self-assessment and just tried not to, you know, not having to be right or be manly and all this stuff yeah. was, was the way that I was able to take a step forward because, I mean, ultimately it seems to me like if you can establish a trust with an anxious or a connector, that's kind of the best person because they've got a lot of love to give, you know what I mean, once yeah. you can earn their trust, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I thank you for saying that and I just want to say that it, I'm just, I'm proud of you for doing that work. I, I think there was a time and, you know, at the end of our relationship where I never thought that you'd do that. And, you know, I, I'm just grateful that you were able to do that and get some healing around it. And I just want to tell people here as we end the show that um, I hope this is helpful. We really wanted to share this so that you can find some peace or some direction um, to try to heal your own relationships. If you want to learn more, find me at ShellyPumphrey.com. Um, and again, you can take that love style quiz. Thanks again. Join us next week as we have a full-on love resistor at Destination Love. Have a great week. Bye. <music> Thank you for making a weekly visit to Destination Love. Please join Shelley Pumphrey again next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be brave, be you, be loved.